What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Crypto Corn Podcast. I am the great and powerful mystery. And I am DOAJ. <laughs> Go! <laughs> I can't. And I'm Emily. <laughs> Once again, we're together with Crypto Corn Podcast. So this week, we are going to be thunderstruck by our guest and our topic. So we are joined by the amazing host of the America's Scaryland podcast. Uh, Nick and Jake, say hi, guys. Hi. I was waiting for somebody to say hi, guys. <laughs> I was trying. I was interrupted by applause. Hello. Hi. Hola. It's not like we've been co- recording for about four Enjoy. hours now. Time travel. We're fresh as daisies right now. Where there we go. Be? Right and early this morning, we woke up and we're ready to record. <laughs> yes, same. Sound good. It sounds good to me. So this week's episode is specifically about the Thunderbird. Bum mm. bum bum. That's where you got thunderstruck from. Yes, that's There's... where I got thunderstruck. I've been sitting on that since about eleven a.m. this morning. I figured eleven p.m. last night. Do you not know the topic this week, Jay? Oh, I know. I knew he was going with thunderstruck. I, I did too. Now I got the song playing in my head. Leave Jay alone. Thunderstruck. You've been. All right, Thunderbird. All right. So we're kind of, kind of got, we're going to like go through this, like our normal topics, and then we're going to have discussion. I only have one encounter, but it's the most famous encounter, basically in modern times, of a Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're all here pretty well versed in like Monster Quest and that kind of stuff. But it's the one they really, you know, spotlighted on Monster Quest. Hmm. But the back end is where I think we're really going to all shine through with some of the theories of what the Thunderbird could be. I already know. <laughs> okay. So, Jay, why don't you go ahead and read us what tribes have Thunderbird legends? Oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was going to read him. No, I got this. So, you got the Sioux tribe. Perfect. Easy to pronounce. Arapaho. I think that's a good pronunciation. Also easy that I think to pronounce. Potawatomi tribe, which is our local area, roughly, around yeah. our area. The, yes. Which yeah. is... Northwest Ohio side. Supposedly, the I Algonquins have, were the other side of Ohio. Ah, okay. Supposedly, I have Potawatomi inside of me. And then we got men... Okay. We got... You sure you want to phrase it like that, Jay? <laughs> well... Yeah, it's his boyfriend. Well, hey, man. Hey, I mean... Hey, pull out it on me. 
What? <laughs> Potawatomi. Let's not be disrespectful here to my people. Uh, Menomini. 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 Uh, I only know you that. Take that one. That's the only one I know because it's a fish name. Mm-hmm. Also, if it deals with fish, trust, trust and believe. Trust I, and believe. He knows everything about it. No, I have a fair understanding. Fair. That's an understatement. Okay. You just said I. I think I believe. Huh. I, th- I Anyways, think. All right, go on. Oh my gosh, what is happening? Are you sure you two aren't married? The seams are coming undone. Okay, <laughs> this is the last Whoa. episode of America's Scary Land. <laughs> this is the last of our potluck. <laughs> yeah, I thought we agreed we're uh, paranormal potluck. This is the last episode of paranormal potluck. Me and Jay hate each other now. <laughs> oh please, that's ever after every recording Jake and I do. <laughs> oh. It's very similar, uh, you depends know. It really depends on the topic. Mm, true. Sometimes we really like fall in line with each other, and sometimes it's like, get out of my house. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, so, so off the top of you guys' head, do you know any of those Native American tribes for your area? Yes, uh, the Menominee, the Algonquin, the Habara. Ah, I pronounced it correctly. Arapaho. Arapaho. Uh, and the Sioux, and the Ojibwe were all in this area. Okay. Wisconsin, the maps I've looked at, Wisconsin, I think there's like, oh, and the Ho-Chunk. There's like six tribes that broke up Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But I also know, I also know that I don't know that many of those tribes uh, existed some within the same time frame and some outside of the same time frame, so there were different uh, <clears throat> overlaps. And stuff right, like I get you. As well. So we kind of um, talked on a different episode about the Algonquin of how they kind of ate up a whole bunch of tiny tribes, for, especially uh, you know specifically with Ohio, that there was all these tiny you know maybe one or two village tribes or cultures that were Algonquin, quote unquote. But they were actually something really small. We talked about some other cryptids and legends mm. where you have these very unique aspects of Algonquin culture. And that's why. It's because the Algonquins kind of came in and were like, hey, you know, if you don't fight us, we'll we'll take care of you, but we're going to kind of manage you. Uh, what was the what was the cryptid specifically we were talking about? The Wendigo? Was it the Wendigo? It wasn't the white thing, was it? No, it was the Wendigo. Okay, it was the Wendigo. Okay. Yeah. Where they kind of, you know, each culture or each individual tribe kind of had its own twist on the legend but it had a base root mm. and i think we're gonna see that really common when we get into the uh, thunderbird yep thunderbird is a lot well like we just Different named area, off similar thing exactly best way to put it so the range where this thing's been sighted is northern cal or northern canada slash alaska all the way down through central america and as far as the Great Prairie or the Great Plains, all the way through Ohio slash almost West Virginia. And it kind of gets blamed for maybe the Mothman, like we talked about in previous episodes, where, you know, the Mothman may be one of these Thunderbirds that got stuck here. I personally don't think so. That's mm-hmm. something that people put out there. I could see that. You guys have any you're intel talking, for that? You're not talking about the Sandhill Thunderbird, are you? Are you? No, that would be called the Sandhill Crane. Who put that theory oh. out there, Jay? Oh, uh, I want to say that was that Robert's. No, I think that was... Which one did I call stupid as hell on the other episode? Robert Smith. But I think 
That was the balloon thing with the. They're both stupid. Okay. Whoever they are. He's from Wisconsin, you know. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Might as well be. IQ of 12. Oh, okay, all right. That's how many fingers he had. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Why'd you bring that up, Wisconsin? You did it to yourself. I'm sorry. I wouldn't even think about it. they're cheese heads. That's why. Oh, sorry. One push the button for drums. That was great. <laughs> that was good. Good call. Quality. Quality only here. I write all the jokes. We are all getting a case of the sillies at this point. Yes. For some of us, for other reasons. Uh, but yeah, so the Thunderbird kind of has some core elements to each legend, no matter what culture you're a part of. Uh, I guess the really big one, obviously, is, you know, it, it's the bringer of storms. And depending on your culture, it was a positive note or a negative note. As in, it was always seen as a punisher or always seen as a good thing. You know, here in Ohio, we heavily, our agriculture aspect for the Northwest Ohio heavily depends on the rain. So our Native American tribes really looked on the creatures like the Thunderbird for bringing in the, the seasonal storms of either being you know, life sentence or death sentences. Because hmm. they came in after, right after they planted, they'd wash away all your seeds for the year. If they came in at the right time, though, they created the best crop you've ever had. Hmm. And we kind of see that with reflected in the legends, where Thunderbirds are almost entirely always seen as, what did you say earlier? Chaotic neutral? Yeah. They're just kind of elements of nature mm-hmm. where they kind of show up and they do their thing. They really, most of the time, don't really care about the people aspect of it. They more just kind of show up and they're going to do what they're going to do. Regardless of the season, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But we also found out in research, they really, really can't hold a grudge. They can really, really get angry with a group or even, in some cases, an individual person. And really, really take out their fury. Uh, I think it was the Sioux tribe specifically. They had a lot of legends of like... Whole villages being wiped out from one person slighting a Thunderbird. Slighting a Thunderbird? Yeah, upsetting one. Mm, gotcha. You know, uh, so Thunderbirds in this type of legend can turn into a, a person. So we talked about that off air where they're not like skinwalkers where they can take on multiple forms or, you know, a multitude of animals. They're either a Thunderbird or a very, very large person all dressed in black. Hmm. And if you slight them in a deal or upset them, they are very easily known to take out the wrath on where you live. Hmm. So now we're like kind of splitting in between this Thunderbird being a bird or a supernatural. Yeah, that's yeah. Human shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for that aspect, what do you guys think? Or that part of the, I guess, the story. Well. As far as uh, the idea of it being on the hold of grudge, I mean, that's very common in all human uh, religion and organizations and cultures. Uh, it, I mean, Christianity specifically has many issues, instances of, uh, you know, that one person did a thing, all their crops died. The only way mm-hmm. to, you know, so that's their fault. And uh, going even back to like greeks and romans you know you could have one person that destroyed an entire village because they made zeus mad or whatever so i mean it make it's it's a very common belief um i think it's just human nature to once you put something as like 
you know, whatever deity causes a thing, uh, it, when that thing doesn't happen, obviously we've upset them. Hmm. Uh, so whether it's a, a mythical creature that brings in weather when you don't get the weather you want, well, obviously we, we upset it in some way. Uh, it was probably Dave over there saying some <laughs> nasty things or whatever. So Native American Dave. That just cracks me up. He's a Dave what American. was that's a that's a really big side tangent already. There was a Native American name, I cannot think off of the top of my head, that really sounds like a basic white man's name. Mark? I can't think of what it was. Oh oh Tim uh, Chad. Tim Something like that. You know what I mean? Feather hat. Yeah, sure. Okay. Not racist at all. Uh, I think you guys just got canceled. Holy cow. <laughs> but there was... Dan there, no, it's... Called. So from... <laughs> Never mind. Oh, yeah. Dan Aykroyd called. <laughs> yeah. Call back. Uh, no, from the Native American... Uh, so we have a reservation up by our cabin in Michigan. And I think we stopped by the visitor center one time. And there was a name that is a true Native American name that is a very uh, almost European sounding name. Hmm. And I cannot think of it off the top of my head. But that's just... I don't know why that struck with me. I don't know either. Because you got thunderstruck. Oh, thunderstruck! <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> I don't know why that, that was good. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I was gonna hit the drums button, but poor America's scary land. They get stuck with us in this aspect. Yep. Hey, we're just we're just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> this is your ad. This is your big ad. This is free publicity. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is much better. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are a professional level podcast. If you oh, want a real no. show, go over to America's Great. Scary so Land. So we please. just got over the mound bickering, yep. and you just had to go out and do that. Hey, Jay insulted us right off the bat when we started. <laughs> uh, well, you know, some things have to happen in order to get the ball rolling. Sometimes you gotta okay. make mountains out of molehills. So. <laughs> Before we get into you the- guys call your mounds there, Mobile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another. Wait. That that earned Ooh. it. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that drum beat is like a Paul Hollywood handshake over there. Uh, Jake, what can't... the hell did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to make sure the I heard great, you right before we the, continue. The Great British, the, the Great British Baking Show. When you get a Paul Hollywood handshake. It's like no, the I, biggest. That's like the top. I said notch. Jake. What did Jake yeah, say? He knows what you're talking about. He's insulted by my molehill. Oh. <laughs> oh. Just, yeah. just making sure. You, I'm gonna link like the dump. <laughs> He's got the capability to just cut all of our audio out of their their edit. I'm not yeah, even recording at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. my gosh. All right. Okay. Back to on task. <laughs> so one of the cool things that we kind of found out in our research were about these uh, type of rocks called thunderstones. So especially when you get out west, they're a type of igneous rock that does kind of form into an egg shape, and they kind of roll off the sides of mountains. They almost or look like they're birthed out of mountains. Uh, hmm. But a lot of Native Americans believe that these were thunder, these thunderstones were actually the Thunderbirds' eggs. So these, these areas are kind of revered as sacred sites, mm-hmm. as if... The Thunderbird really doesn't need to protect its eggs because their shell is super strong. But it's still a good idea to kind of avoid the area. So what are these rocks? Like, are they actual just rocks that form that way? Yeah, or they're what? igneous. So they're kind of igneous nodules. So why are they forming like egg shape? They're a nodule. You know what a geode is? Yeah. So you guys know what a geode is? 
Yes. So everybody at home that may not know what a geode is, it's a like a crystalline structure that forms into a circle. When you crack them open, they're hollow, well, partially hollow. They have a really, really unique crystalline shape depending on the mineral that crystallizes inside. Hmm. So these nodules are kind of a similar thing, uh, but they're more solid. Okay. Uh, so it's still one kind of big crystalline structure, but no hollow spot. Okay, gotcha. So for a geode, it's more around a pocket of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, for these guys, are kind of formed just around a mineral deposit. But aren't igneous rocks the ones that form from lava? Yeah, they're er, the yeah they're really old stone when they get to the surface. So it's like I said, it's a, like kind of a mineral deposit that kind of like forms itself. But for whatever reason, they really like this egg shape. Hmm. And it's just you know we talked about it with other minerals and stuff forming their own kind of. What if it's like a prehistoric dinosaur egg? That got covered in silt and whatever, and over time... Sedimentary. Sedimentary got... No, that would be a sedimentary rock. rock. Oh, gotcha. All right. You and your science stuff. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's a different type of rock. Yeah, sedimentary and igneous. It it does make sense that places of, like, you know, this mysterious rock slash egg kind of appearing out of nowhere, that it makes sense that a lot of these areas would be revered as, you know religious sites or sites of holy places sacred (laughs) yeah sacred Mm -hmm. do they still have any like uh, are there any current enough that we would have either still have one around or like i am currently trying to buy one are they like buy one of the eggs yes are they like the british eggs no that's a little bit different but no uh so they still form uh the boulder fields where they came from are pretty much pretty decently raked over at this point but they still do exist. Uh, you can get one of these thunderstones for like anywhere from you know, depending on the size, a hundred dollars to you know, upwards of you know a couple grand. There's some of these are dang. Like, some of these are like the size of a small person. That's an expensive egg. Yeah, They're the one I'm looking for is more uh, never, like never mind football. That. That's a big bird. Yeah, that's a big bird dropping a people size egg. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, yeah, you're right, hundred percent right. I wouldn't even want to know the size of bird that came out of if it was a real egg. That is called Quetzalcoatlus. Okay, gotcha. They did that not lay. They up. did not lay an egg that big. Um, did they give a description of how big this thunderbird was? Like these traps. So it, that's something that we were going to get into later, but we'll do it now. All right, I'm they just vary curious. kind of heavily, and the actual type of bird varies kind of heavily depending on your tribe and your area you're located. Everything from the if you don't know what a Californian condor or an Andean condor is at home, look it up. So a condor is kind of like a super-sized uh, buzzard. They don't have any feathers on their head or neck, and it's to, purposely to, so they can dig into carcasses without having a lot of mm. stuck-on stuff to their necks and feathers. Uh, but right now, Californian and Andean condors have the largest wingspan of any living creature. Uh, and then you have the other type of thunderbird, that's described a lot more eagle-like in nature, where they have these fully feathered heads and these giant, large, hooked beaks. Okay. Uh, but for a size range, uh, a lot of the smaller Thunderbirds are described about a third larger than Californian condors. So having a 12 to 14-foot wingspan and, you know, being around 3 to 4 foot tall. Hmm. They're walking on the ground. Mm-hmm. So these aren't, most of the time, they're not reported as being literally giant gigantic birds they're very very large birds don't get me wrong but not like anything we wouldn't expect to see possible in nature right right nothing out of the ordinary not like a sasquatch sized bird correct yeah it's not a bat squatch 
Gotcha. Hmm. Interesting stuff. And they're the so that's a that's a big old bird flying in the sky. Now I can see where that would start some legends and stuff like that, but is that where uh I don't know, I mean it's hard, especially with Native American lore. Let's just start there. Because, I mean, does this still continue today? I know we named Native American tribes, but is it still well, conti- well, continuing? Let's hold off on the modern okay. sightings of it for a moment. Okay. But, uh, so Nick, what do you think about some of the more Native American legends of this? This this is one of the older legends, and one thing we really haven't touched on yet is the totem pole. The Thunderbird was yeah. off in the top place on the totem poles of most of yep. the Western tribes. And it seems that something had to have existed. I mean, mm-hmm. I know we cover cryptids and paranormal stuff. You guys cover cryptids and paranormal stuff. And there's a lot of things that can be kind of written off, but it seems like almost every major native tribe has some sort of Thunderbird legend. Mm-hmm. We we only just kind of listed somewhat of the Midwest um, tribes at the top of the show, but so with that thought, it it kind of lends itself for me. You know, you have these tribes all over the U.S. and it to me it seems like something was going on. There was something that. You know, whether it be the actual mythical Thunderbird in the sense that we're talking about, or, you know, you could do the whole ancient aliens things and the chariot of fire was uh, a UFO, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely seems like there's a commonality amongst all of that Native American lore. I mean, and and it, it gets different every tribe you go to. And the same with, you know, like you said about the Wendigo, you know, there's a base rooted in Native American lore with that. It varies a little bit from tribe to tribe exactly what it might be and what its intentions are. But I think more so, like you're saying, even, you know, look at the totem pole. And more often than not, the Thunderbird was the top of the totem. To me, that just seems like there was something Mm -hmm. that... And like I said, whether it was maybe the California condor and they had a bigger, uh, their, their population was much wider than just, you know, California and the coastal, you know, Western states and that sort of thing. Um, so I think, I, I think, you know, this is definitely, I mean, I believe in a lot of cryptids, but I think this is one that you don't really have to take your mind to the fantastical place to really see the credibility with it mm-hmm. yeah so that the only part of it that does take you to that place is where it's you know shifting into a human or something like that but the, and that doesn't even seem like the main common it's, thing from it it's not and it's more of a uh some of the same tribes have skinwalkers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the western tribes but um some of the really like pacific northwest tribes say it's big enough to pluck an orca whale out of the water and that would be i mean so everybody home orcas a big orca is like 30 tons <laughs> that's huge uh i don't think 
personally there's any flying creature i think that might be one of these keys we use to just say hey it's a really big bird Mm -hmm. you can pick up an orca right yeah it's not really more of an expression than an actual fact yeah because that's when i read that like everything else does scream biological except that so like we talked about with totem poles everything on a totem pole is a biological creature we know about except two creatures hmm Jay, do you know which two they are? Well, one, I'm guessing, is going to be the Thunderbird. You know what the second is? Wendigo? Nope. Nick? Um, hmm. Let me think here real quick. Put me on the spot. Oh, um, yeah, I like to do that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a totem pole. Uh, is there some sort of, like, devil, demon-looking creatures nope. on totem poles? Okay. Emily? The up. dog man? Nope. I can't believe you guys. Bigfoot. Oh, okay. Duh. I was going to say, I, okay, I that was one of the first inclinations I had. However, it seemed far-fetched. I mean, I haven't, I haven't so, looked at totem poles, but it really did seem far-fetched to say that. Specifically, the Pacific Northwest tribes do have some Sasquatch on their totem poles. Uh, but so as far as we know, they do have mythical creatures in their legends, but no mythical creature has made it on the totem pole except for hmm. these two. And that's saying something. Right. No, they have a lot. They have, we just did a whole episode today we recorded mm-hmm. about 10 mythical creatures in Native American legends, and none of them are making that on the totem pole except the Thunderbird and the Sasquatch. And the Sasquatch. Yeah. Hmm. And that, uh, that again... What I mean that just kind of amplifies what I was yep. what I was just trying to bring up is, you know, to me that sort of thing those those totem poles they've survived history they've survived weather mm-hmm. they've survived and and made it to modern day as relics, and that commonality right there is what points to, you know, yes we're calling them and labeling them mythical creatures right now but. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I don't know, it just, it it further proves to me that there's a big possibility that these things exist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like flesh and blood exist, not like, not like in theory or folklore exists, like, or spiritual realm exists. What we were talking about today was more cautionary tales versus maybe more flesh and blood animals. And these two specifically, you know, Sasquatch, Thunderbird, Seem to not really have as much as the cautionary tale for most tribes versus some of the other legends they have. Uh, do you remember the name of the mermaid? Oh, I can't pronounce it, but uh, it's not a, a friendly mermaid. Yes, there was a, a, a well, let's just be blunt about it. There was a rapist mermaid in this one culture or Native American culture. You go down this lake and you're a young woman. This mermaid's going to have its way with you, basically, is what they and made that was it was 100% a cautionary tale about bathing alone. Mm-hmm. And just to show the dangers with that, especially, that was a northern tribe. Yeah. So that, you know, they had Thank a lot goodness of... goodness, we have showers in bathrooms now. I know, and guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Emily knows where um, my gun is. You break into this house, in you're going to have a problem. Is it in your bathroom? There is a shower gun, yes. Well, don't tell all your secrets. Uh, don't get in me on the shower. I don't know what you want. Oh, okay. Good idea. Touche. Save the water. <laughs> okay, Emily. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm laughing. So, so I know there's a, 
<clears throat> Sorry, go no, ahead. Justin. You go ahead. You're the guest. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to mention. I know. I believe. Uh, so originally we were going to talk about Devil's Lake for this episode. Yes. In Wisconsin. But I believe part of that lore there there are several mythical creatures that are involved in that, and one is the water panther snake. Yep. Um, the other one I do believe is a thunderbird, and mm. they battled amongst the realms of the living and the uh i would say like the underworld essentially the water panther ruled the underworld um hmm. and the thunderbird was also the you know this would probably make sense as to why they're at the top of the totem pole but they i believe are often associated with the heavens and they are often more considered the gatekeepers they're lifted up more hmm. yes they're often lifted up more as the godlike figure yep. um <clears throat> In that sort of thing, so yeah, that's you get these one cr- of the few. Go ahead, sorry. No, I keep cutting you off. My bad. No, I was. It's one of the only few uh, like Wisconsin sightings I can think of as far or that we yeah we've had a couple none of things coming to mind but like modern ish sightings but nothing I would say that's credible maybe okay. just big big birds. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'm, I really think that's what when, we, when I tell the story here in a minute, I really think that's what it comes down to. Is these are not extremely large birds; they are abnormally sized birds. Don't get me wrong, but they're not anything that we wouldn't expect to see in nature. I'm just trying to think in my head too. Like, you see a giant thing flying over the sky. I don't know how high up in the air, you know, some of their accounts might be. If these things are like potentially could be the size of like a jumbo jet and it's like way up there like how we see airplanes like way up in the sky it looks big but we don't know how big it might actually be so these you know? are not seen that high okay okay uh these have pretty reasonable size estimates a lot of the modern so i'm just gonna say 1970s and above sightings okay 14 to 17 foot wingspans so that's like the most modern sightings right our biggest Californian condor right now is a 15-foot wingspan. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty big. Not, I'm not saying no, but, Californian condors are not small. Right. But when you're talking about an animal that exists versus an animal that may have existed previously in the past versus a mythical creature, these are much more closer to an actual biological animal with size, behaviors, and everything we're going to talk about later mm-hmm. than some of these monsters that modern TV kind of makes them out to be. Right, gotcha. Okay. These are not jumbo jet-sized animals in most cultures. Okay. Big condors. Big old birds. But big old birds, don't get me wrong, but not yeah. not anything that's biologically impossible. No jumbo jet birds. Right. Okay, gotcha. That's Passenger planes. Okay. Quick question. Yes, sir. Uh, for reference, because uh, I feel like you have this Wikipedia stat in your head. What was the Quetzal's wingspan? 42 feet. Okay. So the Quetzalcoatlus, like he just said, was the largest flying animal that we ever knew about. It's not saying there's not one that's bigger out there that we have not found the fossil evidence for. Uh, but Quetzalcoatlus had a 42-foot wingspan, right about the size of a uh, a small biplane or a small prop plane that you would see, you know, especially in our area, Northwest Ohio, that see you see Springfields mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or you go to an air show and you kind of see those old style planes. Mm-hmm. That's about their wingspan. But Quetzalcoatlus, when it was walking on the ground, was about 24 feet tall, but only weighed 550 pounds. This thing was built 
basically out of balsa wood in canvas. Yeah, I was going to say, it just doesn't even, in my mind, make sense at all. So we don't think Quetzalcoatlitz could eat a meal bigger than like four or five pounds at a time. Hmm. But when you're 20, keep in mind, you're 24 feet tall. Right, yeah. Exactly. You couldn't yeah. eat a four-pound meal because you couldn't take off properly. Makes me question some of these things. I know it's all flying animals, especially these, what we're going to talk about later, these giant thermal vent riders and gliders are built very light for their size. Well, it's true. Yes. And they can't carry stuff back, which we'll get to with the Thunderbird Legends later. Mm. Uh, so like, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up Quetzalcoatlus because uh, it's just this giant, very intimidating animal, very easily could kill you, but could not eat you. Mm. I've played Ark. I know how scary they are. Right, very. Oh, yeah. If you can build a base on them, that would not they happen in real life. can build a base on their back, so that's super awesome. <laughs> They're yeah. hard as hell to tame, though. Yep, yes. you gotta catch them in a box. Very sneaky. You gotta have a buddy carry them around on the pterosaur. Okay. <laughs> so you're ready for one of the best modern encounterings with Thunderbirds. Birds in plural. Oh, I like this. All right, let's go. You ready, Nick? I mean, yeah, go for it. Okay. Let's do it. 1977, Lawndale, Illinois. Thunderbird attack. So Merlin uh, Lowe, 10 years old, was his Uh, age. Huh? Okay. Yeah, this guy. This was the story I was going to bring up if you didn't, so go for it. This is is probably, so once again, this is the Monster Quest story. Uh, This is the best known story. Grew up on Animal Planet or whatever when they started getting into cryptids and monsters. This is one of the the original Monster Quest stories. So basically, uh, Merlin's in the backyard with a buddy. And his mom's doing dishes so she can watch the kids out the back window. And they are in a nice suburban neighborhood in Illinois. So as these kids are playing, they notice two birds flying at them. Very, very large birds. But not something you would describe as abnormally large. Still very, very big. Don't get me wrong. But not like we kind of said a minute ago. Not a jumbo jet sized animal. Mm-hmm. Not something you like a Quetzalcoatlus where you'd freak out if it was coming in at you. Uh, the kids kind of look at him. And then as they realize they're coming straight at them with a purpose, they kind of start moving. The one kid, Merlin, gets grabbed by the larger of the two animals. And picked up. Gets grabbed by Towns. Three toes in the front, one toe in the back. That's important for later. Uh, so it gets grabbed. It actually has the ability to pick up another animal. So as it starts carrying away, Mom sees this whole ordeal freaking out. And she starts freaking out. Starts running around, trying to get out to the side. This bird picks up Merlin, carries him about 10 feet off the ground for about 30 yards until he drops him. Merlin is just too big for him. Kids traumatized, birds just kind of take off. They're seen all over like a 50 square mile area for months. Hmm. Well, just these two birds or? These two birds. Okay. They're almost always kind of seen in a pair. But, you know, sometimes it's seen the big one. Sometimes people are seeing the little one. Mm -hmm. One has roughly a 14 foot wingspan. So once again, everybody at home, that's about the size of the largest Californian condor. And the other one has a 17 foot wingspan. So, you know, three foot larger than the large, or, you know, Californian condor. Mm. Uh, hyper aggressive. So when we look, like I've, I've mentioned this animal a bunch already this episode, at Californian condors, they do not have the ability 
to pick up prey. They do have a talon on their back like most birds of prey, but they can't close their feet. Like what we'd see with an eagle or a hawk or an owl. Right, so that one's definitely owl. Exactly. A Californian condor is a very large animal, cannot pick up any weight. They just, their feet physically don't have the morphology to do it. Okay. So not only did his mom see this, about six other people in the neighborhood witnessed this encounter. Mm. So he's in his backyard and neighbors are kind of seeing these big birds swoop down and pick up their neighborhood boy and start carrying him away. Yeah, that's kind of extreme, ain't it? Yeah. That's why this is the the modern the, Thunderbird story. Yeah. Man. I'm just I'm painting that picture in my head. Uh, terrifying. A, a little bit if I was the boy. <laughs> Nick, what do you have to say? Um, well, I have one thought, but I'm going to hold it because I believe you might get to it. And it's more a theory. It's one of the theories that's floating around there as to what it was. So I'll hold off on, on the explanations. Comment. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Um, see if you can pull a J. Well, so I don't know what the name of the bird was, but I know there was some theories floating around there that they were escaped birds from the I'm trying to remember the name. I think it's the Como Zoo in Chicago. Mm. Um, I don't know the type of bird though, uh, but I had thought that it was speculated that that was one of the theories that was going around. Um, that it was birds that had escaped from the zoo. Hmm. I'll give you partial credit because that is one of the options. You a partial credit. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's a good score from Justin. Because you don't know the name. Just because he doesn't know the name, you're a lousy scoreman. Yeah, because it's right there. I know exactly what animal he's talking I'd about. I'd give it to I you. I have it on my notepad. After, you're after correct. All the games, after all the games of, of that we've been playing tonight. No, against uh, Wisconsin and one. Ohio. Right. I'm just saying he's keeping Ohio <laughs> score. So Yeah, because <laughs> Wisconsin treat us unfairly. I mean, you're not wrong. We... I came out of the gate aggressively during our giant episode. They do get a lot of was, holes in their it, head. It all just the ripple effects, man. The butterfly effect. Yeah, you, have better mount, you, have a, you have a better mound in Wisconsin, and it hurts people's feelings in Ohio. <laughs> it's that ripple effect. It just keeps on going. Well, and as I've said repeatedly throughout this episode, as you've heard me talking, uh, <laughs> go Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, Jake, will you say that again? Whatever you just said, whatever lie that was. Go Wisconsin. No, no. Oh, he set he you set, up. He set me up. You got the floppy trombones on the He set me up. He lined me up. I looked at it and I went, mm, I'm going to let this happen. <laughs> so, Jake, since you've been with us this whole time, totally. What do you Listen. think about that encounter? Uh, it was super awesome. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, some feathers and some flapping. Uh, All right. Up, it was crazy that that guy like looked up at that time and was like, "Yo, the thing," and uh, uh, it was probably a dragon or uh, a flamingo. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who knows what was going on back then? Uh, so anybody at home didn't realize uh, Jake was being a good father and taking care of his children. <laughs> and he just joined, rejoined us. He didn't get to hear the last counter. So basically, real quick, it was the no, no, don't, no, 
don't recap it. He can hear about it when he listens to this episode great. and listen to his response. Okay. Okay. That's the much best better. better. It's like no, when you I'm listen back to Jay's like Cummins. I do want to get his. Yes. I do want to get his thoughts on it because I got your thoughts on it. Uh, so yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. It's the it's the one from you know Monster Quest. Uh, the little boy gets picked up by these well, one of two large birds. Uh, the uh, larger of the two had the a seventeen foot yeah. wingspan. The whole neighborhood kind of seen it. And it dropped him after mm-hmm. about 30 feet. So the thing with the California right. condor theory is they cannot pick up prey. They, they're they scavengers. They eat pretty much what they're grabbing or what they can carry in their mouth. Right. So I just kind of want to th- get your thoughts on that before we go on to the next kind of segment. I... So... I don't trust eyewitnesses nearly as much as I think I should for someone who talks constantly about eyewitness paranormal events. Uh, I, I just, that always to me sounded like a child who something weird happened mm-hmm. uh, or just something, somebody caught the tail end of an event and the child and maybe another child were like, oh, it was probably it was a bird. Bird got me. Don't worry about it. Bird. And everyone just sort of group recognize, like group, uh, what's the word when you remember stuff? Rec- uh, recollection. Group recollection. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of folded that idea into maybe somebody had seen a big bird in the area. Um, maybe somebody had seen or heard stories of weird birds or eggs or something in the sky kid does something dumb and it all just sort of folded in on itself Hmm. uh, and became this story um it's that or i've always wondered if thunderbirds in general and maybe you guys have talked about this in the podcast i've totally been involved in uh (laughs) that there was there's got to be some bird that we just think is extinct or we just don't know about and every few years it just pops up and is like, I'm in nature. And then it sees a human and it's like, nah, and just backs out. <laughs> so officially, Nick and Jake have both pulled a separate J move. Oh, bum, bum, Jumping bum. ahead different sections. Congratulations. That's a pin. Too bad one of their names wasn't Finn. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Adventure time reference. Oh. Um. Uh-huh. It's not easy being me, guys. So you you do it well. I think it's more impressive that they both pulled it off in a different way. That is true. One of us had no uh, basis of knowledge on the comments. That That's what I'm saying. That's minute. impressive. Congratulations. He pulled a real J. Jay. Jay and I? Yeah. Right here. Right here. We're on it. We're crossed. <laughs> I can't he, do it. He's just showing crossed fingers. Oh, okay. Gotcha. If, I'm trying to like if do I it. May, oh. If I may further... Yes. Uh, be a J for a little bit here um, and maybe bring my final thoughts or some uh, some comments up that I've had, but I was holding. Go ahead. So biologically, can birds, can they survive like as vegetarians or do they, are they something that needs protein and, and meat? Birds that size, anything let's say over like a two foot wingspan, cannot survive as vegetarians because okay. hmm. okay. they're ruminants or they're land based at that point. So well, basically, and the, I'm, 
the adaptation of flight requires high energy. So when you look at hummingbirds that are fully vegetarians, protein. they okay. are drinking pretty much the, the most sugar and protein active substance on the planet. They're pretty okay. much just getting I, gasoline. I think we would have gotten here eventually, whether it was you guys or I was planning on bringing it up. But, um, you know, the survival, you know, we, we talk about Nessie being a plesiosaur and a surviving relic of the, you know, Cretaceous or Jurassic period. Um, what's to say that, you know, back when the native tribes were all over the land, that it wasn't Quetzals that somehow survived. So that's, mm-hmm. but then that does, you know, what were they eating? You know, if they, if, could a Quetzal carry something? We were talking earlier, they're 20 foot, you know, 24 feet tall, but only eight, 24 pounds or what was it, five pounds? Four to five pounds is what we think they would or, eat because it would right. throw off their balance. So, so unless they're out there basically picking off baby rabbits and, you know, foxes and, and you know, tiny animals, tiny mammals for millennia, you know, so I, I kind of uncredited myself with that theory. And, you know, but it's also, you know, who say it, it's not true, you know, and they, they hold up in deep, dark, high caves. Mm-hmm. So I think you're on the right thought with the wrong species. Fair enough. Which we'll get into later, because there's a species that not many people know about, which hits the uh, Thunderbird right on the head. Oh, do I know this? I don't think so. I didn't think so either. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because you looked at me like I should know. No, I don't think and you I, know this. And you look, I have no idea. at me. Yeah, and I have no idea. <laughs> but no, both thoughts are great. It's This is a really hard one for me, because there's a lot of plausible thoughts behind this. Uh, on this show, on our show previously, you know, we talked about the Ropin, uh, the Orange Bate. You know, we've talked about these flying cryptids that seem very pterosaur-like. Can they be like eagle? So like Quetzalcoatlus would be in that family group. Uh, so, but yeah. Oh, what do you think, Jay? Well, you got Before the, we get into the... You've also got the Van Meter Visitor. Yeah. Has That's one. one. Bat Squatch. Yeah. Even, Moth, even Mothman to an extent, you know, flying dark... We talked, Creature. you know, Mothman was not originally called Mothman. It was almost called Batman. Owlman. And then actually. Owlman. Yeah, yeah. Because Batman was so popular at the time that you couldn't get one that wasn't jiving or that wasn't super going against the comics. Yeah. Or they were going to get sued, basically. Well, Owlman does exist. He's He is England's version of Mothman. That's mm. essentially yeah. does exist in England. That, I think that that was the original one of the original names of yeah, Mothman was Owlman, and then they, at some point in time, it changed to Mothman. I think probably because the villain in Bat wasn't it Batman yeah, that had Owlman. There was the Owlman yeah, there was the the opposite universe with Owlman. Hmm. Well, and Batman's got the court of owls, which is it's just all confusing. It's all soft disclosure at the end of the day, people. There's a lot of birds involved. <laughs> yes, soft disclosure. It is. You heard it here first. It's the Corn Podcast. Hot take. <laughs> I like to refer to it as flaccid exposure. There we go. Much flaccid. better. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. So, it's going to be Mega Scary Land, comma, flaccid, flaccid. exposure. <laughs> Just flaccid. <laughs> okay, I know. Oh, my gosh. But no. Uh, you already getting some possible explanations? Oh, oh, heck yeah. Or did you have something to say, Emily? I got... 
not really an explanation or ready to go next time, place. Time traveler? <laughs> no. <laughs> that makes too much sense. No. What if it's like, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I quit. <laughs> you can't quit. You're the one that talks the most. We need you. <laughs> All right. What were you going to say? Point. Okay. So my thoughts on the entire Thunderbird thing is, one, what if it's like when we talked about the Wendigo? Mm-hmm. And it was like a curse that was put on like a family and then like passed down. Hmm. So that's and called Camp Cryptid Podcast. And we listened to that together. Was I awake? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. Remember, that's our one of our first favorite podcasts. I don't really remember. <laughs> But the thoughts in your head. But yes, I get where I know you. I know where the head. thought came from. And then there's another thought that popped in my head. They seem very like because you know eagles like grab fish, right? Yes. So what if it was like an eagle that ended up in like a radioactive place and then mm. became a giant bird? Giant eagle bird. And now I could pick up kids. Emily's thought is giant radioactive eagle picking up kids. What if? But, so before you go uh. with Emily's idea. Okay. That's not far off of something on my list. I was going to kind of piggyback. You know my list. You wrote the list. I was going to piggyback off her idea. Okay, go ahead. What if it was? Not radioactive, but yeah, you've seen, you write on the eagle. You seen the movie The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, right? Sure. What if Ooh, the guy yes. was like trying to, you know, uh, I don't know, transport to a different area and an eagle flew into the machine with him and he turned half man, half eagle bird. An 800 BC. And he, and he became a cannibal-ish type. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. The Eagle with Adrian Brody. Oh, that's a good one. He's got a beak. So 800 BC. <laughs> 800 BC? Mm-hmm. Is when this first one started? Yeah, when. Yes. Time, time travel. Time traveling. Time travel. See? Okay. This is the last time we're going to have America Scaryland. It all falls in Time travel, Emily. There we go. America Scaryland has polluted my show for the last time. I could be like. Speaking of, speaking of pollution, though, on Emily's thought, what if that bird or eagle was down face down in the muck of the with the oh my gosh the sasquatch, with the sasquatch who got uh, radioactive all over his face what if they were down there together together was that the ohio river you were talking about yes it was yes, it was just down there digging in the ohio riverbed together getting radioactive pocket uh, sludge give me a minute i just want to talk to justin for a second this Please. is what i deal with uh is when it sounds like for a minute he's gonna have a legitimate theory or thought, and then he just he just poops on it. That is weekly. So it sounds like I apologize us. for him. Uh, it's kind of like you invited your friend over and they brought their dog and it peed in the living room. I apologize. I'll clean that up. Don't worry about it. Oh, I'll clean it up. Don't worry. I have the power to edit. <laughs> yeah. No, nothing gets edited. That's a uh, crimson of the corn courtesy. Nothing really, really gets edited. We bring it to you raw and live and true. We freelance. All right, so we've heard everybody, but Jake's theory before I get into the end, like my little list of theories. Yes. Go ahead, Jake. Oh, okay. Just in general, like what Thunderbirds are? Yeah, and Nick, I will come back to you. I know you're kind of just building off of Emily's thing, but I I really do want to hear real opinions before I go into this. Uh, So I have... I have Option A, which is what I think, quote-unquote, realistically probably happened, or probably it is. And then I also have a very 
fantastical idea. Uh, one, I fully support their belief in the idea that it's just a undiscovered uh, bird or some sort of, you know, not dinosaur, but, you know, something that has lasted through the years that we may have either not ever discovered or been like, oh, it went extinct millions of years ago, except for the two that live over there. Uh, that's kind of what I've always thought Thunderbirds were. Um, my fantastical thought is that this is another example of people who saw some sort of flying craft and have not known how to articulate it beyond they're like, well, we know hmm. birds fly. Uh, that thing was in the sky. It must have been a bird. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we don't know any other way to say, you know, flying saucer. Hmm. So anytime anyone, especially a long time ago, says they saw something in the sky, that's always part of, in the back of my mind. I go, well, they probably saw an alien or a UFO of some kind. Nick, that was a question I had for him from the texting earlier. Ah, yes. Because he texted me earlier today. He was like, I hope Jake remembers your Thunderbird episode that you guys did like three years ago because I'm going to ask him some questions about that. I don't. But then, that was a, that was the whole point. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that, that's one I do not have on my list where it was this whole idea that it's the peoples that seen this object or thing and like you're saying, that that's the only kind of rational way they can explain it in their culture. Keep in mind, this is people that don't have anything like people really modern day take granted for like helicopters, all that kind of stuff, where you can easily yeah. explain away stuff like this. You know, two thousand, you know, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, mm-hmm. nothing flies. Yeah, it's you know, man made allegedly, right? Roughly animals, right? That's that's what I often refer to as not the ancient aliens theory, but like the ancient aliens. Uh, that's kind of what I've deduced and said, you know, watching that show. It's like they're using the language that they have at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I often talk about uh, Lot's wife and turning into a pillar of salt with mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. There's no, there's no way that's not describing a nuclear explosion. Don't turn around and look at it. You're going to turn into a pillar of salt. Ooh. Well, breaking all of that down, salt, ash, very similar visually. And that sort of thing. So being deatomized in front of you is going to look like you turn into a pillar of salt and then you're gone. So I, I actually, you know, I agree fully with Jake that it's, they're using the vernacular that they have at the time to describe things that are, are, I mean, look at us all in 2022 trying. We understand technology. We understand, we understand things. But look at us all trying to scramble and explain what the heck UFOs are, what right. the heck aliens are. We're only using the verbiage and the vernacular that we have in our lexicon at the time. So you shrink that lexicon down by thousands of years, mm-hmm. and you get birds. You get chariots of fire. You get fireballs in the sky. You know, it's... Well, and I also kind of think that it goes into... Um, the theory that uh, specifically, like people who have missing time and abductions, uh, see owls uh, in mm. relation to these, and I think part of it is that is the closest thing that our human tiny nothing brains can actually visually create. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe they did see a big giant flying bird because in their brains, when they saw a ship fly over it, their brains were like, that's a bird. That's all that right. is a bird. Well, and so that's what they saw. Uh, well, it's not a bad idea. Cause if you think about say, it, a very fair point, like the stealth planes that we had that we weren't supposed to know about yet. And people witnessed seeing them. It was yeah. a plane. We all knew it was a plane, but yet our government, you know, said, you know, if this doesn't exist, we don't have this. We don't know what this is. Now we know it's stealth bomber or whatever they were. But it's a big triangle-shaped weird plane. And imagine seeing that at a point in time where you've not even seen the most basic concept of a kite. Mm -hmm. Right. To illustrate or or kind of build on something of this this avenue, and I am going to use a movie just for the – so listeners can get the visual reference uh, of it, and it's all tied together here, but – the scene from Independence Day when the ships first roll in mm-hmm. and there are those huge plumes of clouds that the ship is going through. Mm-hmm. So thinking for a second along the lines of Thunderbirds being alien craft and then you tie in with it that Thunderbirds were the bringer of storms and that sort of thing mm. kind of paints that visual there where you have these rolling clouds coming in maybe maybe that's how that got associated with it. Hmm. You haven't sold me, but coming from my angle before this episode started, I was completely against those kind of thoughts for the Thunderbird. But I'm a lot more open to it now. I can definitely see those interpretations of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm kind of awestruck. So I really... I'm... I'm I'm very much in the flesh and blood camp for the Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. But those are very, two very, very good interpretations of maybe not flesh and blood. Not a bird. There we go. That's a good way to put it. I like it a lot. It's my only problem. Because the next section is pretty much all flesh and blood. <laughs> so it kind of makes it hard to go into what I like well, personally. The, the hardest part without... Oh, go on. I was say, this has been a good podcast. I guess we ended it. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, yep. Yep. See have you a good night. Uh, See you, you next time. All the podcast apps. All Ooh. right, everybody, have a good night. <laughs> but, no, I do like that a lot. That's not one of the, the topics I have, but that's... Sorry, I can never say that word. Specifically? Thank you. What I wanted to ask, you know, Jake about is because in your guys' episode on Thunderbird, that's something you went into. And that's just not an opinion I ever held. So that's why I was so interested in it. It's because I like, I really, you know, from our show and everything, we really like opposite opinions uh, where you get these kind of, you know, an idea I would never put to it. Not saying it's wrong. I can definitely see the lines of connection. So that's where I'm going to have trouble with it is I really like it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the problem, right? (laughs) That's the problem with a lot. Not a problem, I guess. Not a problem. We, We do this a lot. But with a lot of these things, not just Thunderbird, but Bigfoot cryptid in general you kind of get an idea that just feels good inside and you're like sometimes you want to stick with it hard yeah yeah for sure i think i think can sum it up a little bit in in the areas that we all you know and and i know we share listeners and you guys have listeners we don't have and and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. one of the best things about any of the paranormal research, the cryptid research, and any of that stuff, there is a lot of stuff that is sound science when it comes to it, especially in the biological aspect of it. 
But I think what makes it so palatable for a certain type of person is that nothing's wrong. 100% right. You, you have touched on, you know, I've heard you talk about, you know, kind of the UFO uh, uh, conventions and that sort of thing. There, we... In a way, you've kind of mentioned that they're kind of the jocks of the paranormal world. They're, oh, you're dumb. No, you're dumb. Let's get on boards and just Chris. <laughs> and we're not, you know, that's a stupid theory, blah, blah, blah. That kind of toxicity, I think, is what most people who don't believe in the paranormal or reside in the paranormal beliefs, uh-huh. I think they see that sort of toxicity and they're just like, look at these idiots just fighting about everything. But then when you have your listeners, our listeners, us, that sort of stuff. Nothing's wrong. You can bring up theories. You can have the ability to say, yeah, I'm really vibing the flesh and blood uh, Thunderbird, but damn, that jerk up there in Wisconsin. That's something that I don't like that I like it. But I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's I think I think that's the beauty of most paranormal topics and conversations and podcasts and everything is it, it's a blank coloring book. And you don't have to color that Robin with a red chest. You can color whatever color you want because that's the beauty of what we do. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to call me a jerk, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think but perfectly. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw shade all I want. Yeah, what? I'll throw shade all I want. Oh, gotcha. Yes, you will. Uh, So I'm going to give you. No, no, Nick, seriously, I think you put it perfectly. Uh, That's how, you know, versus the, you know, more UFO side of what we do. You know, we all, both both of our shows kind of touch on that side. Yeah. But we're not going to. I don't think it's exclusive to. I don't think it's exclusive to. I think in every facet of the paranormal, you have those type of UFO ologists. Mm -hmm. It's a hell of a lot more common in the UFO. Yes, it is. But I think you have all those naysayers in all the realms who just want to be, you know, the jerks of that specific topic. Yes. I think think the middle ground people are the ones that want to hear other theories that they've never heard or things that are exciting or different mindsets. So for everybody at home, the only conferences we're kind of iffy about are specifically UFO conferences. Yes, yeah, true. Ghost conferences, sure. Paranormal, cryptid, we're all fine with. These UFO conferences are the ones we're kind of like, eh, I really don't feel like being stabbed to death. <laughs> because of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of one-sided stuff with the paranormal, or not the paranormal, the uh, UFO. UFO side. Yeah, true. All right, you ready for some flesh and blood? Give it. Explanations. Do it. Do it. First one, Argentavis. Argentavis. Everybody. Knows. Yeah. The next best bird to the Quetzal in uh, an arc. Arc. Yes. <laughs> so unlike an arc, they did have bald heads. Yeah. These were not eagle-like yeah. animals. These were much really similar to our condors or or buzzards. Bald-headed, bald-necked animals, where they dig into corpses. Hmm. And unlike Ark, the game, uh, they were only like a third bigger than our average day uh, uh, condors, 
So they were still very large birds, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, we're talking about our largest bird on the planet and a third larger. So it's putting it at like the... the our, our right wingspan we're kind of talking about. You know, the 16, 17-foot wingspan. Right, okay. But not, you know, we're not talking about Jumbo Jet or, you know, mm-hmm. it's like some of these uh, shows make it seem like the Native Americans are talking about. Not the Native Americans are talking about it, but the shows make it seem like they were talking about these literal jumbo jet-sized animals. Mm-hmm. Anybody, any opinions on the RG? So they went extinct around one million years ago. Well, if it's the size frame. It's right size. And we talked about in previous episodes that aren't out yet that one million years ago is not really that long as far as extinct species go. Mm-hmm. You know, we have stuff that has a million years missing out its fossil record all the time. Blink blink of the eye on the timeline. So what do you guys think about the RG? I'm still, honestly, I'm sticking with the whole, the possibility of it being any sort of prehistoric bird that has been said to have gone extinct. Uh, You know, another good Jeff Goldblum movie, but life finds a way. <laughs> right. I don't know if you guys have heard heard of that movie where he says that line. Never. I do not. No have idea. The, I do not of, have a signed a, Michael Crichton book at all. It's, it's an underground <laughs> indie movie. It didn't do real well, but Jeff Goldblum's really good in it. Yeah. So. I heard they made some spinoffs, but that's about it. No, Those I, are better. I have a signed original copy copy of Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. Nice. I thought we were talking about Earth Girls are easy. <laughs> yes, that, that is such a good movie. Too. Better, better movie. Uh, I, I, I do though. I do think that it, the possibility, I mean, of something you know that is said to have gone extinct, still surviving, is totally plausible. I was really hoping they have more pushback because of how I had this written in my little notes. Well, what about this? Does the RG have? A, can it pick up things? Yes. Like that size. Like a small uh, child. I would say yes. That would be kind of, you know, it, a 10-year-old, what, what's a 10-year-old weighing in at? 50 pounds, 60 yeah, pounds? Depends. Not me. Shit. Shoot. Not me. Ask, uh, let's just go ask Richard French. Uh, Richard yes. French. Well, no. You picked up a lot of 10-year-olds. How much is the, how much do they weigh on average? Uh, oh, about 54 pounds. Yep. 0. 0.6. Yeah. But well, no, yeah, you, I could definitely, they do have that foot style. From someone with an actual... Almost a ten-year-old child <laughs> can give you an accurate measurement, oh. or we can just keep making fun of uh, Dick French over well, here. Well, my eleven-year-old <laughs> sister weighs a hundred and ten pounds, and she's about as tall as me. She's very tall, though. She's very tall. My Either way, eight-year-old is pushing fifty. So that's a big difference for two years. Let's split the middle. Seventy-five pounds. Can RG pick that up? Years. Yes. Okay. There you go. Or at least, so once again, the story we talked about in the episode only carried the child for about so far, yeah, you know, thirty feet. Yeah, but it got nothing tired. It, it got, got tired. Tired just. It was really like stamina was not full. Of, it's like me trying to get out of bed in the morning. Well, let me let me ask this legitimate question here. Yes, sir. Uh, is you say that as far as we're aware, this bird went extinct about a million years ago. Sure. In that time frame. If it didn't go extinct, could it have evolved to be capable of carrying more weight? Like as food got more, more and more scarce as its population mm, bigger prey. Got more yes, and more scarce. sure. Was that enough time for? An oh yeah, a million change? years. So to keep in mind for everybody at home, that's a good, that's a great question actually, Jake. Whales turn from hyena-like dogs 
to the biggest animals on the planet in four million years. I don't believe you. So I think it took five million years. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Four point two is the best I'll give you. But fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, so an evolution like that can't I there there can be very dramatic evolution in a million years. Yes. Uh, especially at the time we're talking about since the dinosaurs went extinct, there's been very erratic mammal and bird evolution where we have these constant big die-offs and these constant niches to be filled. Nobody has ever really filled these giant flyer niches since the extinction of the dinosaurs. Once again, Quetzalcoatlus was not a dinosaur. It was a flying reptile, but lived during the you know the apex of the dinosaur reign. We get we get notes about that. Is that is that based? I mean, is that based around the fact that there, I mean, there's just not a lot of predators that can really get after them, and that's kind of why they've kind of had a free pass, so to speak, evolutionary wise. Yeah. So once you get over a certain size as being a flyer, so there's two. It's kind of twofold thing. You get exponential growth in gliding capabilities. So basically, once you get X big, you spend much more less energy than something a little smaller than you. So even though you're bigger. Your area you're covering takes less energy because basically you're turning your body into a, this giant kite, like you know, structure. Sure. Makes so sense. getting. I suppose think about like a hummingbird is tiny and it's like just so much energy. Two hundred beats just, per second sometimes. And they have to eat constantly. Yeah, one of these Quetzalcoatlus or these other giant flying animals, uh, they only you know they're gliders. They get up there mm-hmm. and they just kind of hang. So the next one on this list may be a little more palatable, and I think, Jake, you were kind of already asking about this without knowing what it was. We're going to talk about the Territorans. In my opinion, the best option for a uh, for, for the actual Thunderbirds. So the Territorans are a completely extinct branch of giant predatory birds. So unlike condors, they had feathered heads, but yeah, yeah like you said, you've seen Lord of the Rings. These were your giant flying mm. eagles. Oh. And I mean 30, 35 foot wingspans on some of these species. So I was kind of there. Yeah. So the Territorns, though, were very, 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 very successful and went extinct kind of abruptly, supposedly, at around 11,000 years. Oh. So we just talked about the Argentavis going extinct a million years ago. Territorns. 11,000 years ago. Right around the last ice age, wasn't it? Yep. That whole number. And that is, as far as like the native culture in the U.S., I mean, that's like... That's when they got here. Well, like written language, though. Like written and... Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can say... uh, An episode that we just recently went out to to do a thing on that we're going to be recording for uh, the Aztelin tribes. They had... uh, artifacts that they found that they date could be 10,000 years ago. So, I mean, these, these things could have existed with yeah. people. If, so. you don't, if you don't want to believe they existed in the modern times, these stories of these giant flying predatory birds that really had a bad attitude existed when people arrived on this continent. Yeah. And they would have been absolutely ever-loving, terrifying to be around. You know, we're talking about, so unlike what we talked about with the Quetzalcoatlus, these are power flyers. These aren't gliders. Mm-hmm. So unlike the Quetzalcoatlus eating smaller meals, these guys could carry you away. 
They would physically keep flapping until they got you to the nest to rip you apart. That would be terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I really... So if we get one of the larger Teratorns, you know, 30-foot wingspan, uh, definitely a small cow. Hmm. So us, Jeez. not that big a deal. And they just grab you. And that's that's kind of it. This seems like a likely more candidate if it were a yeah. flesh and blood living thing. They're still around. You think so? I think that, that's my that's where I'm throwing my hat in. Is it these guys? Mm. Where would they Where would they nest? Would it be? Are they? These These were mostly cliff place. Like kill, oh, sorry. Cliff, cliff and cave dwelling. Yep. yep. Sort of. Okay. Just like our count, like all of our condor modern species, these giant flyers. Hmm. Uh, just because it's easiest to take off and land, especially when you're yeah. this big. And easy to avoid the evolution of humanity as well in these kind of secluded areas. Mm-hmm. Tough to get, tough for humans to get. Egg areas. predators. Yep. That's where a lot of these large birds that fly long distances to find food, they specifically put their nests where egg predators cannot get to. Hmm. So they can leave their eggs alone for, you know, sometimes days at a time and not really have to worry about them. Because if you're putting on the top of a plateau, really, who can get up there? In the, a moderate amount of time. I don't know, a big snake? Well, people now, but no, oh, okay. nothing before. Gotcha. Do you know the, the Teratons? Is that what it... Teratorns. Oh, Teratorns. Where in the U.S. was their region? Like, were, were they all over? Or The U.S. I just had... Just the U.S. Okay, because I just had an image of, like, the Southwest, like, plateaus and that sort of stuff where... Yeah, now we can see with, like, a, you know, flying a drone up there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just had an image of that, but I'm sure there's higher peaks of places elsewhere. That so yeah, they were very U.S. Uh, U.S. Central America, South America, Russia, Europe. Uh, I think they are pretty much been found everywhere, but Australia, Africa, and Antarctica. Would you say just about everywhere that there's corn? Yes. Oh, except Africa, and I guess yeah. South okay. America. Or yeah, no, Africa. Australia has corn, but not good corn. So yeah. Everywhere there's good corn. Got a cornist over here. Yeah, he is. I, we live in it's Northwest like he Ohio. Lives in the corn. I literally smelt corn since I've grown up. So I have another question that may yes, or may sir. not be as as intelligent as the last one, uh, but I got this. I I've thought about this before, and it got me thinking uh, back at the beginning of this episode that I once again been totally involved with the whole time. <laughs> Uh, when it, you were discussing like the thunderstones and the eggs and mm-hmm. all that stuff, uh, and now talking about these giant flying creatures that dwelled on cliffs and you know would have been on places that humans couldn't get to, is there any connection? And possibly we've already discussed this uh, to like dragons and like uh, the mythology of dragons and all of that stuff. So I, we have not talked about that yet. So with the Thunderbird, there are North American dragons, but the Thunderbird legend kind of seems to not co-occur with a lot of them. Most of the time, Thunderbirds okay. are scavengers of the dead, are like dead and war tribes, stuff like that. Hmm. They will take a whole body. Don't get me wrong. They're not like hmm. a condor where they have to eat it where they, you know, where they land. But most of the time, they're not seeking people unless they're really hungry. All the attacks on people really seem to be more modern. And that may point to okay. a species more close to the brink of extinction, where they're having to take 
easier, easier quote unquote prey where they know may have more consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Cumberland Dragon, what was the one out in the Rockies? We did a, a dragon out there. Oh, on our first Patreon, Patreon episode. episode. Um, I can't remember. But there was literally there are North American dragons. Yeah. I I, I think personally, we had like three three separate kinds. Yeah, I personally not believe that the Thunderbird falls into the North American dragon legends. Because the North American tribes do have very similar creatures to what we consider European dragons. Uh, and these seem to kind of be separate of those legends. They really seem to be more like, at least more bird-like. Gotcha. Okay. That's fair. Uh, one we've danced around a lot. I guess not really danced around. We've said it 150 times this episode. Are pterosaurs. The biggest of which being the Quetzalcoatlus. So we literally just did an episode. Well, we didn't serve episodes. Roping, uh, the Oranga pen or the Oranga Pandek. No, that was the, the oh Orang Betty. Orang Betty, and the, the orange uh, battery. The orange battery. orange battery, orange battery, <laughs> and the Kangamoto, where these giant flying creatures super resemble these pterosaurs. And if you look at the last the the last di- or the dinosaur extinction during the uh, well, the late, I can't think of the actual rich region. I always get them mixed up in my head. But most animals on land that were bigger than a bread box did not survive. And that fits with most of what we see with mammals, the reptiles that survived, and crocodilians are being aquatic, turtles are being aquatic. They survived. But the weird thing is that pterosaurs had a hell of a lot of members survived. that were smaller than a bread box. Mm, oh, Okay. So we had a whole lot of pterosaurs that were smaller than the spear can that I got. Uh, so to say that all pterosaurs went extinct after this extinction, but animals bigger than them survived and birds survived, these animals are pretty much occupying the same niches. There's kind of this question that maybe they re-evolved into those giant niches before birds got the chance. Because birds since then, like I said, we have pterosaurs, we have some condors and stuff that get to these... 20, 25 foot, you know, niches. Massive. But the pterosaurs were the ones that got the biggest ever that mm. we know about. 40, you know, 42 foot wingspans. Mm-hmm. That's so before the Quetzalcoatlus was discovered, scientists all agreed that 36 feet was the biggest a wingspan could be of a flying creature in, or, or in, in the world with how our gravity worked and everything like that. And then later on, they discovered the Quetzalcoatlus that was flying at 42 feet. Just gigantically bigger. Why is science always... You could fit an eagle and a half in the difference. Mm-hmm. That's a big bird. Oh, wait. A big flying animal. Yes, there you go. I need you to correct me. Then I have a dumb question. Yeah. What if, for these birds, they were... Like, we know we said they were extinct, but what if they were just flying up in the atmosphere so high that they went into, like, a stasis until they found it was time to come back down? Hmm. Like cloud floating stasis. But like, <laughs> why like, do you look like, like that? Cryogenically frozen in the clouds and then thawed, or like consciously were. So, that's in definitely stasis. a thought, Emily. Good job. Okay, so the next one on my list. Uh, <laughs> no, I I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Well, I mean, what do it, you mean? You know how like, like what? Like Nick like, just said. 
you're talking about cry- you know, cryogenic freezing, or are you talking about they're just kind of hanging up there? They're hanging up for a there. half million years until everything gets they're better. They're hanging up there, but they're still alive. They're just they're f- they're what, like are hibernating. They are they like floating? Yeah, they're like just gliding right off. No, like they're a sleeping gliding movement that lasts years. Don't encourage her. <laughs> I'm just explaining to you so you understand yes. better. And I said no. Space, oh, okay. There you space go. Raptors. There you go. Space what? Space raptors. Space raptors. There, there we go. go. That might be. That's how Jurassic Park started, actually. Emily, that is definitely a thought. Thank you. I thought it was a good one. I didn't say that. <laughs> it I is indeed a thought. A thought in <laughs> that the you universe. had. I am proud of you for th- free thinking. Don't talk for the next twenty-five minutes. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, no good job uh i don't you. think so though at all well that's rude i love you you're beautiful but no <laughs> that's rude that you don't agree with my opinion but it's good you got to put those opinions thank out there you, Jake. you got to put them out there just to check them off the list that's yep. a not that good... is a not good idea <laughs> it's a not dear it's a not dear there we go a whole episode it's a not here all right so for my last one i have for you guys uh, this is one that uh, Nick already hit on, is that there are some birds that are non-native or slash exotic to our regions where they really seem to fit the body plan and the aggression levels we see with Thunderbirds. The One is the uh, Andean condor, which kind of goes back and forth. So we don't have a good proper adult Andean condor anymore in the, in, in the world. Uh, so we don't really understand their full size capabilities, but they're slightly bigger than the Californian condor. Uh, so that's one kind of example. But they once again they don't have feet; they can pick up prey items. They, you know, full you get, scavengers. Are you, getting, are you getting to the ones uh, that escape from the zoo? Yes, that's the next In one. In Africa. Oh. Okay. Yes. Yes. Speaking of which, the African crowned eagle. Oh, snap. See, look, it's both my thoughts. Yes. The African crowned eagle is a gigantic flying raptor. Uh, they are. They have a hell of a, a bad attitude, and specifically, they hate primates. So they would pick up people. Yeah. Space raptors. Space raptors, and they really hate eagles. kids. Hmm. Uh, but no, what these are ones... Don't, don't we all, though, at some point in time? Sure. Just like kids. I'm a forage advisor. I love kids. I like my kids. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I'm allowed to have my opinions. Yeah, can't people. We know what they are. Uh, but Meow. So these these uh, African crowned <laughs> eagles are really uh, close cousins of the harp eagles. Uh, but one thing they really like to do is pierce the eye sockets of primates to kill them before they eat them. Uh, these ones literally give you a lobotomy before they eat you. These are some nasty looking birds. They're not friendly. Is that what the Egyptians used to do? No. Well, uh, kind of. They, they did something. You were dead. They shoved their uh, thing up your nose yeah, and scramble your brain. And bring your brain through your nose. Mm-hmm. So this may be a good example of what we're seeing with our more uh, modern sightings. Yeah. So the African crowned eagle, though, has picked up kids for 30 to 40 feet in Africa to carry, try to carry them away. And hasn't only done this. this. That's the answer. 
Why are we talk about this? That's the answer, right? So they've been not only been seen do this once or twice, but they do this kind of semi common, you know, commonly when they see an African crown eagle kind of come near these villages. Mm. Like, okay, it's basically a hobby of theirs. Somebody's their kids hobby. is getting grabbed. Yeah. Huh. And it, they seem to more do it to torture the kids because they never really get away with them. But they cause huh. super severe lacerations in the kids' shoulders. It's just a game. And that, once again, that Merlin I talked about, he still to this day has scars on his shoulders. Merlin. Maybe they do it as like a mating ritual. They hate kids. You know, like penguins and the rocks? Well, yeah, what is 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 it the penguins or the, the, or the killer whale? have been reported to just for no reason just bombard and just kill seals for fun and throw them up and do all oh, sorts that, of that's like seals and 100 kill the whales yeah yeah those, no, like, seals well what's to say things. what's to say that the african crowned eagle isn't the flying version of the killer whale there you go that that's to, a thought doing that to just messing with kids, kids. Yeah. yeah so do you know how eagles pick a mate no. But I like the biggest food, right? No. They will literally lock claws super high in the atmosphere and oh, free drive or free free dive. And as long as the mate or as long as the mates kind of like say, okay, this is enough at the same time, they'll bond. But if one pulls out early, they'll say, okay, you know, that's not the right one. They want brave partners. Mm. So they, they play the scariest game of chicken. Eagles die during this. But how can you mate if you die? Well, you don't. That's not you were worthy, too dumb. Not a worthy. You're mate. destined. You together. were too dumb. I'm just saying. You're destined to be together at that but point. But the one, the one video I've seen that was the closest was 32 feet above the ground. That's his house. Yeah. But you're dropping from you know sometimes a thousand feet in the atmosphere. Right. Yeah. You just drop for that whole time, and you decide, okay, now we'll pull up. So wait, they drop together. Yeah, they lock claws. Okay. And they just free dive, and whoever lets go first is the loser. If you let go at the same time. You're like, okay, we're both the same level of brave. Mm. So to that thought, I can definitely see that, like, hey, I'll kill this kid for you. Hmm, just testing. Uh, you know, we like don't a... have to kill each other anymore. I don't know. I just see it as, like, the penguins and the rocks being like, okay. Here's I a dead the, child. I want the bigger, heavier child. <laughs> <laughs> than Funny, the tiny one. The red-headed children. Uh, That's Augustus Gloop over there. Which ones would you like? <laughs> That's why I would have survived. Honey, bring me Augustus. <laughs> That's him saying. I wasn't pre- prepared for Jay to go full eagle. That's him going, yes, ma'am. So why don't we go around and give our like our final thoughts of what we think the Thunderbird is. We'll start with Jake. Uh, it's either a... Uh, Previously undiscovered and or previously assumed extinct prehistoric animal, uh, bird thing, or honestly, I, I, I fully believe in the idea that the old long time ago cases were, uh, some sort of unidentified craft. Mm. Like and now I'm thinking that the newest one is one of these pissed off birds. <laughs> yeah. I fully believe it. These are monsters. When you go, this kid got carried and got thrown, and then you're just like, and there's this bird that has been known to do that. Like, oh, well, there's your answer. I don't yeah, know why we were it's confused. pretty black and white. Nick? Me? Yeah. Time travelers. 
All right. Well, that's an answer. Ooh, time, like time traveling bird or time traveling. No, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't let lock, him talk just, anymore. Just lock into this. I, I, I want to know. I, I, I want to pick said, his yeah, brain here. Answer. <laughs> time traveling prehistoric birds. Uh, no, I, I sit very much in the same, uh, same garage as Jake. Um, either a, the unidentified crafts would be probably the best logic of ancient times but these these ornery birds or angry birds as some would call them oh. uh, patent pending um, <laughs> I, I don't know I, I still do think that uh, was what was the one between the RG and the uh, oh the Terra the Terra yeah yeah Torrens. Yes. Torrens, yeah the Terratorns. I I really do feel like those were, you know, those were alive during, you know, when we were talking about uh, ancient tribes being here and stuff. So I, I really do feel like that probably lends itself to a lot of the lore. And then the uh, the angry birds that we've just been talking about. I, I don't know. This has been a very interesting journey for me because I just was, you know, before this, I was like, yeah, Thunderbirds, I've looked into them. I don't know. They were probably something, but I'm not going to look too deep. But listening to everyone's opinions and the, not, I mean, thoughts and that sort of stuff and your list that you had, Justin, I don't know. It's one of three things for me. It's either the, the ancient craft stuff, it's the Terra Torns, mm-hmm. or it's the um, African Crown Eagle, or it's probably all three. All of them. It's all of them. Yeah. See, they all made it together. I, I kind of, oh, I won't spoil mine. It's funny you mentioned uh, time traveling. What do you say? What do you say? Time traveling uh, birds. Birds, because we actually had that theory of some dinosaurs that we think. Could, oh, ghost dinosaurs or time portal dinosaurs. Or just dinosaurs that got, you know, pulled through some sort of rift. Time Partridge, slip. Partridge Creek Beast. Yeah. So, I mean, that's very well possible. Something from old gets pulled here somehow. I don't know how I mean, that stuff if works. Bigfoot or Mothman are getting pushed through portals from maybe a different planet or a different time of existence mm-hmm. or a different realm. Mm-hmm. What's to say that things in our terrestrial realm isn't happening as well with exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's it's just funny you said that because it is a thought that's out there, even though I think you might have just made it up on the spot. <laughs> I think... Jeez, well, call him out on the... Well, I mean... That's I mean a call. No, that's a callback to all the other recordings we were doing tonight. Just gotcha. Oh, yeah, duh, duh. <laughs> the time slip, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, but, I, but I'm I'll with take, you. I'll take, the, I'll take the making it up on the spot. Yeah, I'll give it to you. <laughs> but um, I'm kind of with you on this, being the Terra Torn or the African... What is it? Crowned eagle? African crowned eagle. Cousin yeah. to the harpy eagle. Harpy eagles are in zoos. African crowned eagles are not because of their aggression levels towards people. Mm. For reasons. They will gut you. That's just... That's the reasons. Yeah. <laughs> They're not easy to there's, keep. There's no ending. That is the end. Yeah. They'll just gut you. They will kill you. Mm. So that's where I'm at on it. Emily? I'm going to go with radioactive eagles. Yes. I don't know why I ask you anything anymore. <laughs> oh, you knew I was going to stop. No, don't meet me. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I, I'm like, I didn't do it. And then the other option, I think, was that African whatever. But then I also start going back to my 
other thought of them staying in the stasis where we can't see them. All right. Mm. That thought is not correct. You don't know that. It's a stasis territory that's come back. Like, what yeah. if they stay, like, translucent and we can't Thank see you. them? Thank you. Would you say, thoughts? could it possibly be uh, stasisaurus? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Are those tears of joy, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> you read my mind. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure I'm actually hearing this right, going up my tear ducts. Stasisaurus. Yeah. Justin and I are going to do a podcast now. <laughs> so, surprisingly, no <laughs> I think I'm with, I, or I really think I'm with Jake on this. That I do think that some of these early, and I mean early, early ones, May have been trying to describe some of these first kind of UFO sightings we get with early Native American legends, with plus at the same time or after sightings of Territorns, and then later on being filled in by these uh, invasive slash exotic birds, such as the African crowned eagle or Indian condors or stuff like that. People people do not realize how rare a condor is. So when you see you, whether you see a fourteen foot bird. Or a 16-foot bird up in the sky. Really, what's the difference? Right. When you yeah. you don't know what you're looking at and you see that, they're the same thing. I mean, really, you know, when you're looking at it from the, the ground. Right. The only one that's the example is really this really only modern sighting of a, a kid being attacked is the only reason why the African crowned eagles even thrown in this. Mm-hmm. Their wingspan is 10 feet, by the way. Uh, big birds, but not. The gigantic birds we're talking about with 14, 16, 17 foot wingspans. But 10 foot can look like 14. That's out another of a thing. Is, like, when we it's talking about your child. Is it? I say, especially if it's grabbing a kid, you see a 10 foot giant bird. Yeah. It's going to be like, it was 100 feet big. Exactly. <laughs> it breathed fire and did taxes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and did taxes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most monsters that eat kids do taxes. Fun fact. That's the IRS. I don't know. All right. The Raptors of law. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Why don't you guys give your own shout-outs? Well, we have been America's Scaryland. You can find us uh, in Wisconsin if you come up here to visit. Do you want to give the address? Um, uh, no. Jake won't. Not like that. Where Scaryland Studios is located currently. Okay. Um. You can find us at America's Scary Land and Gmail if you want to reach out to us. The S is shared between those words. Uh, we're on all the major social platforms. We are on all the major uh, pod catchers, platforms, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Um, we Nick's on TikTok. It's not even. He's an influencer now. Nice. He's so a, proud. He's almost too cool for me. We're not even going to get into that. That was a huge argument. That's for a long <laughs> time. We did currently just uh, put our profile on another dating site. Uh, it's my favorite part. Travelers.gov. Oh, that's a good one. Dot gov. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. Stasisaurus. The, the best org. part about I didn't know this until I started reading the fine print, but you can find us anytime, anywhere, any place. <laughs> with, with timetravelers.com uh, we've got emails that we don't even know about yet they're from the 1920s they're all about how much like people are bored because they can't drink yeah. we automatically like 
delete those ones because you can't really take those sort of people out on a date. Like you can't relate. Yeah, well, if you want to drink, and what are we going to do on a date? There's no, it's not. It's not that's date. called incompatible. Bye. Next. Um, I will. I, I had this thought earlier though, and I wanted to say, people who've listened to our podcast, your podcast, um, and concurrently, you know, simultaneously or whatever, uh, congruently, I should say, they'll notice that we have a fun uh, beef going on. But all the silliness aside, it is so fun to record with you guys. We have a blast. I look, I look forward to it. Every time we plan on recording together, it's it always turns into you know. Some of us might call it a, a poop show, not at, at times getting off the rails, but it is it is fun. It is fun to exchange ideas, exchange uh, just. It's always fun to be here. Dude, be humble. Be sorry. <laughs> so, Jake, how do you feel about it? <laughs> He's, he just doesn't like it. That's all right. He doesn't like you. <laughs> I, I, I don't either. either. Gosh, geez. All right, I'll take that with the grain of salt. <laughs> well, I enjoy no, you I, guys. I like these episodes because uh, it gives me a chance to to bounce ideas off someone that isn't Nick. No offense mm-hmm. to Nick, but uh, oh, he, all of it taken. But yeah, yeah, I agree with him. <laughs> this this I remember the first time we did Thunderbirds with me, and I was like, "It's aliens," and Nick's like, "What's an alien?" <laughs> like it was one of those things of like, it's great to to expand my conversation to like minded people. So mm-hmm. I always look forward to doing these. So, well, even if you're from Ohio, see, I tried to just what was that? Wash the beef under the <laughs> under the breath. I said. I heard and you say I love Ohio. Sure. Yep. Okay. Good. That's what I heard. Aren't we where the Jesus <laughs> and the toast was? Did you just say the phrase "Jesus and the toast"? Yep. What? The- we're the state that has the Jesus and the toast. All right. So Jesus in the corn. I gotcha. the- Yes. Jesus and the toast. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> Once again, we really want to thank Nick and Jake from Mango Scary Land for coming on. We always have a ball over here. Uh, Whether sober or not, that's a different question, but it's always fun. So, you ready to do the outro, Jay? Yep. I've been the great and powerful Mr. E. And I think I've been DOA, Jay. I've been the time-traveling Emily. We're us. Uh, Nick and Jake, uh, scary land guys. And we'll catch you (laughs) next week with more (laughs) monsters, myths, and mayhem. From anywhere where corn grows. All right, guys. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.